Comics in the combat zone. Comics in the combat zone. Usually we make you laugh, but now we're watching guys get stabbed with light tubes. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to Comics in the Combat Zone. I'm Jordan Ducharme. And I'm Ben Stead. And this is the fifth edition, uh, covering CZW Street Fight, July 19th, 1999, once again from Mantua, New Jersey, in the CZW arena. Uh, ben, what did you think of this one? Just a, a quick summary off the top. The, uh, like, odd, odd in unique ways, for sure, so far. A big leap forward, I would say. Yeah, a suspiciously big leap forward in my <laughs> mind. Yeah. yeah, we have some theories about this one. And, and keeping to tradition, we are going to cut the fucking pre-show banter. We're not here to talk about our weekends. We're not here to talk about bombing in the clubs. We're going to talk <laughs> about CZW and CZW only. Uh, so when we started this episode, or this, I guess this episode, this show, for the first time we're treated with an opening music video. I was, I was like... This is mad. Like this was crazy. Like immediately very excited. Though. Yeah, with like a cast list and like but the intro they're trying to obviously be they're a hardcore brand and things like but the intro's like a Saturday morning cartoon one. <laughs> it's just just like very very bright colours and then I'm like, Oh, is this Saturday morning TV? But then someone's just getting thro- thrown through a table as well. And I was like, Oh no, it's C Z W. Yeah, and, and so they would go through the whole like roster and it was I found this very telling. It sort of felt like you knew where the company was sort of trying to build around and like who they thought were the big stars. Because it would sure of course start with someone like Lobo, and then it would show you a few clips of Lobo, uh, and then go to like Kingpins, and it would show you the Kingpins fucking people up. Oh, boys. Uh, A funny thing about this one, though, I noticed in in this opening montage, they use clips from the show Tonight. So you would see like a lot of spoilers or things that happened in the episode we would watch. Oh, right. No, I didn't even realize that. So like... Yeah, they weren't past clips. They were like upcoming clips. (laughs) Okay, wow, okay. (laughs) <laughs> Which makes sense. Classic, you know. Yeah. Uh, I did write down all of them. All, so it was Lobo, Kingpin, Zandig, Trent Acid, Justice Pain. Uh, I would say Trent Acid you might not expect in there. Uh, everyone else sort of follows so far. Then Johnny Cashmere, who, if you remember, we haven't even seen wrestle a match yet in this company. Yeah, I didn't. I, uh, yeah, because I saw that and I was like, who's, who's this? It's sort of weird. Yeah. yeah. And then back to hardcore Nick Gage. Okay. And then Amy Lee. Someone we've never seen on any episode so yeah. far. Uh, and again, it's showing clips of her from tonight. So right. we'd come to meet her. And then surprisingly, the last two, the Quantum and Eclipse, uh, Anarchy, if you will. So not not your current CCW tag champs, uh, Extreme Fahrenheit. Inst- no, true. Instead, two other teams that have sort of not been in the... The Sensational one was also on there as well. Oh, yeah, Sensational yeah, yeah, one yeah. as well. Don't You cannot forget the Sensational one. <laughs> yeah, it would make his big return tonight. Uh, and then, even more surprising, uh, we got our cold opener with the announcer telling fans to make noise because we are recording. Uh, intro- introduces a referee, Brian Logan, who does a, a flip into the ring. And then... <laughs> he's got, The ref gets a lot of good work tonight. <laughs> and then the most surprising thing of all, we get our first ever commentator yeah. in CZW. So uh, this is where I was like, what on earth is going on? Because also... There's camera cuts as well. There's there's several cameras now in the arena, mm-hmm. and it's cutting between them, because like the intro, I could kind of understand just having that, like an intro now as they sort of slowly progress. But this is like, this is like in a film, 
and the prologue is like we discovered alien technology and, <laughs> and everything advanced we discovered time travel within a year or whatever and everything advanced like man because it's just like not to a hundred with production value in this episode mm-hmm. where like they've got an intro they've got cameras they were commentators um they appear to have cheaped out on the mics because the mic quality in this episode is maybe some of the worst i've Really uh, bad. Yeah, yeah. The well, and and even like it is an uptick in quality, right? Uh, as far as number of cameras, but they all seem like the same shitty quality camera. Or worse, yeah. I was like, <laughs> the, the, yeah, they've spread uh, everything very thin. So like, there's now the basis for everything you should have in a wrestling show, but it's all like the lowest version of what it should be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it was just interesting because, like you said, it hits you all all at once. And we also get our first introduction, like uh, as they're introducing wrestlers, we get our first ever nameplates, uh, which I don't know how they did this. They fucked up multiple nameplates <laughs> on what I'm assuming is a post-edited show. <laughs> so, like, first uh, the first match of the night is meant to be uh, Anarchy versus the Kingpins. So as Anarchy is introduced, we get the nameplate that says Eclipse. And no quantum, no anarchy, just the word Eclipse as both men come to the ring. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like Eclipse, then, then the other, then, yeah, very odd. It is very bizarre. Never says quantum. Yeah. And then the Kingpins come out not one minute later. And I, I had to also note here, the referee says, uh, with a combined bowling average of 270, that was dynamite. I was like, they are, they're firing on all cylinders tonight. That's a gimmick. Yeah. Uh, and then their nameplate says Kingpin. Like yeah. They, it's like they didn't know if they wanted to put an S or a Z, so they just left it at Kingpin. Because I thought they were just referring to, like, thing, like Julian from Trailer Park Boys. Like, one of them is a Kingpin. <laughs> but, like, actually, they just, yeah, they didn't have any other nameplates for them. It was very odd. Very weird. And even though in the opening video when it showed them, it clearly stated Kingpins with a Z. Because this is 1999 Pro Wrestling, yes. so yeah, yeah. Uh, it is important to Still say. Still cool, though, Z. Like, any, anything begins with Z, cool. Zandig, Kingpins. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Schaefer comes out holding a microphone. And I don't think we've heard the Kingpins speak yet, so th- I was very excited already. <laughs> I was, yeah, I didn't know they could. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and he cuts a, a, about the exact promo you would expect. Like, if you're listening to this, you could cut a better promo than he cut here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you've just been a wrestling fan for more than a year. Uh, and he says what they're going to do is going to beat these two losers up and then sign that big contract at WCW. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a crazy call. I mean, I genuinely couldn't understand a lot of what was being said. Because like, the mics were yeah, so Yeah, the shitty. mics are so blown out in parts. <laughs> But yeah, it is the worst. I mean, combined with awful promo work, because the other, t- like Eclipse and whoever, with Eclipse and Quantum, mm-hmm. like they're so they have no charisma, and like Eclipse, the lanky one, is somehow even lankier, like to this week, and like has got cut pants. It's just like sort of deflating almost <laughs> from the high of realizing they've got an intro. Yeah, because the Kingpin's like. We're not wrestling you, you jerks. <laughs> like, we've already beaten you up. And like, oh, this is an odd way to start. Yeah, so this is how they book these losers, Anarchy. Kingpins come out. They're like, you're fucking losers. <laughs> We're not even going to wrestle you. We're going to go sign a big contract with WCW. And then they leave. And then uh, I think it's a, a clip, or the older guy is Quantum, right? I, I really had a tough time figuring out which was which. Because yes. they yeah, went yeah. back and forth. 
But no, Eclipse is the lanky teenager, Quantum is the older gentleman. And Quantum it just starts talking shit about like how, oh yeah, you're running away because you're scared. And all of a sudden Eclipse takes the mic and he's like, how can you say they're scared when they beat the shit out of you last week, last month? Yeah, first true thing they've said, yeah. <laughs> and so they have a terrible promo off. <laughs> it's so bad. And, and and like you said, the mics start like losing halfway through. So it's like an already bad promo with bad audio. Just terrible, and then they eventually decide to have a match. Uh, so, like, as an opening segment, this was all a lot. This felt very jarring, especially considering Kingpins were sort of like, hey, we thought they split up on the second episode, and here they are as, like, main eventers, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's an odd way to start a show, I think. Because, yeah, you do have a lot of high energy coming into it, but then you just kind of hit the brakes with all this promo work. Just get into the wrestling right away, right? Like, because mm-hmm. it takes a while, and then, and then yeah, then they turn on each other, like... I'm I'm excited for the first show we watch where there's no betrayals in the entire. <laughs> I think that's going to be an exciting time. Yeah, absolutely. And the betrayals never benefit the betrayer. Like usually it's on to bigger and better, but yeah. these guys will betray someone and then get their ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then their partner they betrayed gets their ass kicked. It's like, oh, you're both losers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this is actually where the commentator kicks in. And uh, I mean, I know I'd probably make the same mistake. It's like asking a new comedian to move the mic stand out of the way during their set. Probably something you don't think of. But this commentator goes right. He's so enthusiastic and in, into it. He doesn't introduce himself. No, yeah. So it's about halfway through the show until they bring on a second guy who uh, talks to him and calls him by name. It is uh, Aaron Angel, which is a weird name for it. Sounds like a wrestler name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the first half of this, I'm like, who is this guy? Is this a nameless guy? Although I will say, I would have expected like Zandig's drunk buddy. Like, oh, Zandig. I yeah. would have expected a redneck or like John Dahmer or just, I yeah. was expecting worst case scenario when we eventually got to commentary. This guy sounded like a, you know, like a commentator. He yeah. sounded like what you would expect at sort of your run of the mill indie show. Yeah, like, I, full props to the guy. Like, I, I don't know what it is as well about commentators. Maybe because I've spent my whole life like watching sports with commentators, but it does just add to it like yeah a, like even the lowest bar maybe if dharma had done it i would have been like i'm quitting the podcast it would have been but, rough yeah it does add a lot to have that commentator talking over talking over it um definitely a big step up from guns and roses playing over a wrestling match but yeah, yeah i thought he was all right actually he had a good voice like he had a decent wrestling commentator totally. voice well, and, and he also clearly knew more about this promotion than maybe anyone except for Zandig. Yeah. So he was filling in a lot of holes and, like, naming a lot of people. And I'm like, finally, at least someone else is, like, in charge of trying to make sense of all this. Well, yeah, that is definitely what it adds as well. Just, like, I remember the names of wrestlers better now. And, like, they were talking about titles and things like that. Like, there is a lot of work that commentators do to keep you involved and, and in the loop on it. So, yeah, it was... It was my, that was probably the biggest positive change from uh, for this episode. I totally think. agreed. Uh, he he refers to CCW as the most explosive independent <laughs> promotion on the East Coast, <laughs> which I thought was such high praise. Yeah, definitely. I'm like, how many East Coast promotions are there? And anyway, so we get to the match. Uh, first match of the night. In ring, Quantum takes early control. Oh, sorry, Eclipse. Eclipse again. Eclipse is the teenager, right? Yes. Sure. Uh, I'm I'm even gonna get mixed up. So Eclipse starts with all his. Uh, you know, uh, flips to the outside. Uh, he does a flip and lands immediately on his tailbone, which I just, like, it looked fucking brutal. He goes for another dive and then hits the second rope and, like, face plants as hard as you can. 
Imagining, have you ever seen that viral video of the news lady crushing grapes? Yeah. And falling directly flat in her face? Yeah. Yeah, he falls, like, so hard face first. Yeah. And yeah. the fans just start laughing and chanting, you fucked up, Adam. Yeah, I think one thing I did notice as well about the crowd is I don't think there was any kids in the crowd. I noticed there wasn't as many kids mm-hmm. in the crowd. I, th- I don't know whether they put an age on it this time or, or something, <laughs> but, like... There was, if they did, I'm glad they did because they did some really recklessly dangerous shit later on in this. Show. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, this match, yeah, he's doing flips and botching all over the place, and like these guys as a tag team are awful, but separate they mm. are also awful. Like there's no, then it's not a good wrestling match. <laughs> well, and it's clear Eclipse is like a big Rob Van Dam fan as well, but it's like. What Rick Blade is to Rob Van Dam, like Eclipse is to Rick Blade. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's so much lower down yeah. Yeah. in the quality here. And it, it all just leads to this big, like, convoluted sort of thing where he's using, like, RVD chair-like offense. And then I notice, like, he's using this chair, but then the referee gets mad when they're using closed fists. And I'm just like, like none of this, none of this really makes sense. Uh, Quantum finally eats, like, a brutal chair shot to the head. Uh, and then he picks up the chair and hits Eclipse three times in the head. So yeah. s- these guys are just both, like, bleeding it, like, brutally. You can tell they've viewed it as a very important match for themselves. I yeah, think. yeah, definitely. And, like, yeah, the chair shots, because there's, like, no padding on those chairs. They are just straight to the head metal mm-hmm. chair shots. Like, it is, I was like, that's not, that's not good. Yeah, like, I, I don't think we uh, sort of condemn backyard wrestling the same way most people do. But no. the people that do, like, this is the shit they're talking about. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. They... Anyone can swing a chair really hard. Yeah. Uh, and this is brutal. Uh, the ring announcer, 10 minutes, says 10 minutes in, 5 <laughs> minutes remain. Uh, do you want to know what the time was? What? 8 minutes, 12. <laughs> <laughs> they just arbitrarily do this, then. Uh, it's like someone watching the match is bored, so they're just calling audibles. Yeah. Me, uh, to be fair. <laughs> Suddenly, uh, Quantum goes outside, grabs a table, when all of a sudden the kingpins attack, and they're wearing different outfits than we saw them wearing not, like, five minutes ago <laughs> when they were cutting that promo. That, that's their promo outfits. Now they're in their wrestling gear. Just like a video game. Yeah, and <laughs> and also, like, bowling. Like, you have your bowling outfit, and you have your then <laughs> having a few beers with the boys after outfit. Yeah, of course. Uh, so they just let these guys, these morons, just fuck each other up, and then they just beat the shit out of them. And this is like a brutal beat down. The match just ends without a finish at 10 minutes, 25 seconds. They throw Quantum outside like a bag of garbage. And then they just take turns ramming Eclipse into this plywood wall. I did like the Kingpin. Like, of course, immediate uplifting quality once the Kingpins have entered. Because <laughs> I quite enjoyed that. Like, I, I like the idea that like we're not wrestling you. You're both rubbish jerks yeah. but then to just being like well actually we'll just go and beat them up when they're down like that's funny that i i enjoyed that and but the beatdown was pretty brutal because he put one of them through the table and the commentator is stressing like that's not a fake tape that's just a real table everyone and i was yeah. like i i don't doubt no this beatdown looked like like dangerous it looks yeah. like like untrained wrestlers just who were told to squash guys yeah it's almost like a squash match but it just really does look brutal and uh I mean, good up for Quantum for taking all this and Eclipse. They both just got the shit kicked out of them. And are complete afterthoughts in this division. I wonder if we'll see them next month. Yeah, because even with their betrayal, it still ends with the attention on Kingpins. Like, after <laughs> yeah. that match, it's still about the Kingpins coming back, right? Which is great. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, we go right into our next match. And a lot less cuts, I've noticed, in this, too. It, it just sort of rolls on to the next segment. As the ring announcer uh, brings 
calls out for the CZW Junior Heavyweight title match, Justice Payne versus Rick Blade. Uh, but Payne comes out, and because it's Justice Payne, he has to cut a promo before the matches. We know this by now. Yeah. That him and Nick Gage, if they have a match, they're going to cut a promo beforehand. Uh, and he says he's got a dog collar match later on to- in tonight with Lobo for the Ironman Championship. But said because it's been a few months since he's defended his junior heavyweight championship, CZW demands he defends it. And apparently it was originally supposed to be against Mike Quackenbush, which I think would have probably been a lot better of a match, unfortunately. Uh, But something happened in transit, and I probably legit, that's probably a true story, I'm guessing. Uh, And instead they bring out Rick Blade, who I guess is sort of the, the best hand on the roster. Legitimately, like I'm thinking, if you need like your best wrestler to step in, need someone to sub in. Yeah, that's that is yeah. I mean, that is all news to me. You said because I just cannot like when the (laughs) when the announcer is talking and bringing out. It is literally like Rick Blade, and I was like, oh okay. And then Justice Payne's. I mean, I probably didn't miss anything, but his promo is like it's so because they're all shouting Mm -hmm. and the audio levels aren't right. It's so blown out. So. That that's good. That's exciting news. I'm excited for the Iron Man match later for the championship. He'd be tough to understand on a working mic too. He yeah. really is just a bad promo. Right? If you want to just like get right to the point with Justice Pain, um, but yeah, I, I like knowing that. I think Mike Quackenbush is going to be a part of the promotion for a bit too because I did really like his match last month. Yeah. Um, so out comes Rick Blade. We get our second match of the night, night. And as the bell rings, Sledge just runs into the ring and hits this brutal choke slam on Rick Blade. <laughs> Not quite like Billy Baja level from week two, but I mean, like on the guy's head and shoulder. Yeah. It looked awful. Um, and then the ref just sends Sledge to the back. Because I forgot, Sledge turned on Lobo last month and joined Justice Payne. So now he's oh, yeah, yeah. heavy. Um, but yeah, so now the match begins. And it's all Payne focusing on... Um, Rick Blade's neck based on this attack from beforehand. Um, Blade dodges Payne finally, starts making his comeback, and and Payne actually wipes out into the camera guy. And again, the thing I love about CZW is like, if this was WWE, that would definitely be a planned spot. But because it's CZW, I'm like, that could have been an accident. (laughs) There's definitely a couple of moments in this episode where like, things look like it could break out in the crowd. Like, Mm -hmm. And the absolutely unplanned, just just things going off like that for sure. Yeah, um, Justice Payne and Blade, it could, both these guys love doing flippy shit, but aren't that good at it. And they really like let that shine here in this match. Yeah, trying to like outdo each other and stuff. Uh, Jay, Justice Payne just crushes Blade's face with a lion salt, like knees on the face sort of lion salt. Looked awful. Uh, in ring, Blade goes for a high cross body, and the referee just totally eats it instead of Justice Payne. Yeah, at first I thought that might have been a genuine thing, but uh, it's obviously part of part of the match. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was like, "Whoa, fair!" But I mean, the ref is involved a lot this 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 episode for sure. Yeah, I wish uh, I'd written if this was Hartog or Brian Logan. I think it's the Brian Logan. The Hartog, new one? Yeah, because he was a younger guy. I mm-hmm. think with some of the hits that the ref. Spoiler is going to be taken. I think Hartung might have died. So, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. think it's the younger one. Yeah, and he looks like he works, but maybe just they put a ref shirt on him because they needed a ref. Yeah. Um, but you're right. So it leads to Lobo coming out, and he attacks Justice Payne, then starts just throwing chairs into the ring, hoping that, uh, you know, Rick Blade will be able to use them. Uh, Justice Payne kicks out uh, of a driver, or sorry, a Taka Michinuka driver on the chair. The referee calls for the bell, thinking this is finished. This was like such an awful botch where 
the wrestlers clearly meant for it to be a kickout, but the ref counted three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they don't know who's got the authority, so the ref calls for the belt, and the wrestlers start yelling, like, no, we're not finished. Yeah, I, I, like, it was a... Uh, yeah, I didn't know what was going on with it. That, that was one of the moments where I was like, what what on earth is, is happening with this? Like, um, because, yeah... It really that, fell apart. Yeah, definitely. And then there's also a VCR involved. Well, that's what, that's what my thought, like... So I think most normal professionals would have been like, okay, it's a big finish. Maybe we'll just call the match here. But they clearly had this VCR spot in mind. So they set up the spot where Lobo hits Justice Payne uh, and throws a VCR at him. <laughs> and in Justice Payne, it's like the VCR gets glued to his face. Like he's got to hold it right in front yeah. of his face, even though it looks so unnatural. And then Blade kicks the VCR into his face and wins the match officially at 8.05. It feels like you could have just ended it on the Michinoku driver, but I, I, he probably didn't want to go down if it wasn't clean. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, they really needed the VCR. Or just as Payne was like, I, yeah, I can't. There needs to be a, a additional. I'm not losing properly. Like, they need to hit me with a VCR. We spent $15 <laughs> yeah, yeah, on this yeah. VCR. We stole this from someone. <laughs> so it's got. we've got to put it to good use. Um, so it is interesting because clearly it felt like they needed to get this junior heavyweight belt off of Justice Payne, and now Rick Blade is your new junior heavyweight champ, which sort of feels fitting because he is sort of the, the resident flippy guy on the roster. Yeah. Uh, it just begs the question, how did he get this belt to begin with? Because, like we said, one month it just mysteriously transferred from Quicksilver to Justice yeah. Payne, and that we never got an explanation. I feel like with everything that they've put into it, like this episode is potentially like what they consider the, the start of CC. Like with the intro and all that, so they're sort of like... Just forget, like, kind of forget everything. This is like a bit of a soft reboot of mm-hmm. the franchise, and like we're starting with Rick Blade as Thingy because yeah, there's just there's just a lot of stuff you wouldn't know. But then they're kind of like doubling down a lot in this one. So you're totally forward. right on that, and especially with introducing wrestlers we haven't heard of before that seem like to be main players. Yeah, and refurbishing certain teams. Yeah, it does feel like a you know a reset without them telling you it's a reset. Um, afterwards, Justice Payne cuts an angry promo at Lobo. Uh, and then ends by telling the crowd that they suck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'd written my commentary thoughts by, at this point, because we are in two matches in, and again, I think he's completely inoffensive and better than you would have imagined. Yeah, I rem- I've put here, commentary is funny, so I must have laughed at something that happened wow. in that one, but yeah, I was surprised that I found it funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he also uh, makes sure to tell us our ring announcer's name is Dave. So <laughs> I think that's important to note, because I don't think we've gotten a name for that guy. Um, next out, this giant shirtless man comes out to the ring named Hammer, and he looks fucking huge, even for, like, CZW standards. Yeah. So probably much taller than Zandig, much more built, uh, but he comes out with this guy named Diamond Mike. Now, Diamond Mike, I had written here he looks like Captain Lou Albano meets Kenny Powers, like he just a short, squat, <laughs> yeah. disheveled-looking, like, gambling addict dude. Yeah, it's like twins. <laughs> like the film Twins, like Danny DeVito and Arnold. Yeah. Yeah. And his, his shirt says, just blow me. So, <laughs> this that is prime 90s fashion wear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the second after I wrote that Lou Albano impression, he gets on the mic and says, nobody better out here ever compare me to Lou Albano. <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess he gets that a lot. Like, it is sort of the spitting image. Uh, but then he announces himself as Hammer's mouthpiece and says, everybody, it's Hammer time. So were you excited for this Hammer debut? He looked huge. Yeah, I mean, I like my big boys. So, you know, there's another big boy who's shirtless and getting about with a, with a mouthpiece. I mean, that's a, that's a classic. 
like I guess even they by their standards were like Hammer cannot do promos. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. E- even we CCW cannot allow this guy to talk on the mic. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So they've brought in amount. You know, it's kind of like Paul Bearer sort of thing. So yeah, that, it's, he, he's a big boy. They're always exciting to watch. I feel I predict they're going to team him up with Sledge later on. That'd be good. Yeah, Big Boys United. Sledgehammer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, na- oh, oh wow. Peter Gabriel. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so then I'm wondering who are they going to feed to this guy? Because it feels like this guy's, you know, probably going to squash somebody. And uh, the British music starts playing. Lord Everett DeVore comes out. And I'm like, this is perfect. Yeah. I hate Lord Everett DeVore. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, and this guy looks dangerous and scary. So he'll probably beat the shit out of him. Uh, and then LED gets on the mic, and for the first time since we've met him, he starts attempting a British accent. And I'm like, how do you try on the third time? Fair place for him. You know what? It's, I'll always take someone trying a British accent because it's normally very funny. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm waiting for the bell to ring, and then uh, what's the music? It's a Metallica song, the one Nick Gage would later become famous for. And we get a third participant in this match, Body Bag. Oh, yeah, because I was, I was reading the... Um like the description was coming up and I was like, what the hell's a body bag match? But I didn't realize that it was a guy <laughs> called body bag. You thought it was going to be hammer versus more in a body bag. match. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, cool. Um, and but- he comes out with Amy Lee as his manager. So I'm like, I guess she's more important based on the opening video than this body bag guy. I don't yeah. know. Very strange. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Body body bags are a really bad name. I personally, really bad. yeah, like body. Yeah, it's not good. And and he, he looks like I don't know. How would you describe this guy? Like if, if you were to go into a, like a dive bar where they sell drugs, this guy's the one selling drugs in the back of the room. <laughs> like yeah, definitely. Like it's somehow he lives in that dive bar. No one knows how, but every <laughs> yeah. night he just appears. Like doesn't come in from the entrance. Mm-hmm. He's just always there. Yeah, definitely. And he's got what you need. Yeah, 100%, whatever it is, Calpol. <laughs> and Amy Lee, she's like, I don't know, like a rocker, sort of punk rock chick. Uh, she's like get, shouting shit at people immediately, like getting in the crowd's face. And it almost looks like one of those people who's going to fight an audience member. Um, so I don't know. I thought these two were interesting, at least. I mean, body bag, not for the right reasons, but, <laughs> you know. Uh, and so Lord Everett goes up and meets Body Bag on the ramp, and he's like, "We got to look at that guy. He's huge. We got to team up and fight this guy." And so they sort of run into the ring and try to attack Hammer. Something I noted, I'm like, "If you're gonna show off this Hammer guy and how big he is, why would you pick two other like pretty big guys?" Like, yeah, put him against a sensational one. Yeah, that's what you want. What you need to do. Or Anarchy. He could have beat up Anarchy as well afterwards. Both of them. Yeah, <laughs> all of them. Um, so Hammer starts this match, he's getting double teamed, and he looks pretty immobile. Like, not quite as bad as Great Kali, but like, imagine, like, he can have, he can have a tough time bending his knees and stuff. Yeah. He's, he's not taking any flat back bumps, that's for sure. No, he's mainly there just to pick up dudes and for you to be like, wow, he really picks up that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, almost immediately, the fans are chanting slut at Amy Lee. Nice. And that wasn't even, like, prompted by wrestlers. That's just the fans they're cultivating here. That's yeah, because they're just, like, she's just managing. She's not even, like, in the ring. She's no. just there. She's shouting the whole time. Uh, like, it's sort of like, uh, you know, Bill Alfonso. You could constantly hear his whistle outside. It's like, you can hear her throughout this whole match yeah. shouting at fans. So I'm sure she's, like... She's yeah. giving it back. Yeah. Um, and, and she feels like she's used to being the focus almost. I feel like, like I said, I, I don't think this body bag guy's long for the... CZW no, arena, no, but no. she may be. Uh, Hammer finally gets control, and then he calls in uh, Diamond Mike to try help him. Uh, and then he goes, uh, Diamond Mike goes to hit Devore, who, of course, Hammer is holding back. 
And I don't think once in CCW so far has anyone held a guy in place and they've actually hit him. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. just know what's going to happen. Yeah. And it's so much more ridiculous because Hammer is, like, bigger than the guy he's holding by, like, a foot and a half. Yet Diamond Mike still manages to hit him in the head with, like, a bag of ice. It's very odd what this match was for. <laughs> like, who, like, why, yeah, why they did it. What was the purpose of this? Yeah, yeah. Where did Hammer come from? I've never heard of this guy before. Uh, so when Hammer is out of the ring after being hit by his own uh, manager, DeVore turns on Body Bag, hits a body-to-body, just a basic body-to-body slam, and gets the clean win at 4 minutes and 21 seconds. And then the funny thing here, I feel for the commentator because I get confused like this. He's like, oh, Body Bag's eliminated, now it's down to the two. But no, the music plays, and the ring <laughs> announcer's like, this guy wins, and the match is over. <laughs> yeah, so they didn't even tell the commentator what was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. He doesn't have he doesn't know what's going on the same way we don't a lot of the time. <laughs> and then as he's sort of celebrating, Amy Lee just attacks him from behind, uh, and they cut away from this, like as if they're building to that match, I guess. Yeah, very odd. I don't I don't know what that match was for. Like oh. it was just very strange, out of nowhere, and like. Yeah, what, what was the purpose? Very strange. To debut a guy like Hammer, but then also debut Body Bag like in the same segment didn't make any sense. Yeah. I, the whole thing was very... F- I have written here, it's a weird match. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so cut. We get our CZW Tag Team Title Match. This might be the segment I'm most excited to talk about on this show. For anyone that's been following the podcast uh, this <coughs> far along, this will be a momentous one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's meant to be, as I believe they set up last month, the Divine Order of Dahmer. Our least favorite, or my, I don't, I don't want to speak for you, my least favorite act on this roster by quite a margin. Yeah, you're 100% welcome to speak for me in that regard. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know, like, it, I guess it makes sense that when you've got someone who's just shit, you just mix him in, you try and dilute the shitness by surrounding him with other people who might be good. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, because the Divine Order, there's like, four or five of them who will walk in and whatever and I'm just like well it's tag team so why are they all here like there's not enough for there to be like some weird threat that they're all going to attack you there's just like four of them so it's like why are they all here yeah and they don't really match like gimmick wise they're sort of just like for one Natasha who's just been the valet the whole time I wouldn't be surprised if he's just John Dahmer's real girlfriend 100% who he, who he just yeah. brings to the show and he's 100%. like you can be in the ring yeah yeah 100% she's never spoken never has a character yeah she's not in like culty get up or anything like that like Dharma's kind of abandoned that and is just wearing like t-shirts now and stuff yeah thank god for that at least yeah no leather daddy business and then Midnight and Diablo who were meant to be a tag team on the very first episode I believe now they just are sort of his cronies but you can tell all three of them are just dying for the mic even though none of them can cut a promo (laughs) it's just the worst it's the worst combination and then out come our champions Extreme Fahrenheit of course Mr. Motion and Heartbreaker and they're sort of deciding, because if you remember last month, that the Divine Order stole the tag titles. Uh, and so they cut a promo saying that possession is nine-tenths of the law, but when that's when Ron Hartog just takes the mic from him, making yeah. him the biggest baby face of the show, cutting yeah, this guy's yeah. off. And he says, the titles are vacant, and your possession theory means shit. And he calls for, by the way, this won't be a, a straight tag team match. It's going to be a triple threat. And then all of a sudden, Miser Lou hits, and the kingpins come out. Yeah. Well, there's a there's like a two minutes of silence, and then Miser Lou hits it like <laughs> as they're already that they still haven't quite timed the music right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, and then I popped. I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't care about this Dahmer team at all. I mean, I, I 
got the feeling based on the start of the show that we were going to see the kingpins sort of in an elevated position. I didn't think everything was going to happen all at this night. Yeah. <laughs> but you sort of, I sort of felt like I knew where this was going as soon as we see the kingpins, just based on how are they getting booked already tonight, you know? So it, it is a standard sort of triple threat tag, but it's only two in the ring, not three in the ring, and any two guys can tag whoever they want. Uh, I don't know if this was to give Kingpins a bit of a break because they've already been wrestling and they come out looking pretty gassed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they probably already had some celebratory brews. Oh, yeah, definitely. There. Amongst other things. Uh, but Dahmer and Schaefer begin uh, with just slow, basic stuff. Every time Schaefer takes a hip toss, which he does here, I'm always just shocked. He looks too big to be taking hip tosses. They go to double submits Schaefer with two guys and then Price just breaks it up by attacking both of them. And then I don't know what happened here. Like, the camera work just falls off a cliff for a bit. Yeah, I've, I've put it as very odd cuts at points because, like, mm-hmm. there's, like, a different kingpin in the ring and then it cuts and there's the other kingpin then is the ring cheering. And I'm just like, what's happened here? I, I have a theory that, like, the editor of these shows, he gets... If there's four cameras recording, he gets all four cameras footage and then he has to edit the show together yeah. as best as he can. And it felt like... Two of the guys were sleeping, one was taking a piss, and the fourth guy was drunk, and he just had to take whatever made sense here. Yeah, exactly. Like, the camera work was, it was like he was hammered. It was just, like, wavering, like someone pushed him over. Uh, and then for a second, the the footage goes in black and white. And I was like, what's, what is <laughs> Artist, this? That's artistic. That's, that's art. <laughs> that's art for you. Yeah, it's like in WWE when someone bleeds, and they're like, oh, black and white, we got to cover it. No one's bleeding here. Um, it's just very strange. Uh, the commentators are referring to Kingpin 1 and Kingpin 2. Like, they, the, he doesn't know Price and Schaefer. So I even feel like we are more... We're bigger fans than... Com- yeah, maybe maybe we should have been the commentators for CCW. <laughs> and we're just always trying to introduce the Kingpins. And like, no, they're both retired. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. They're not alive anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, at one point, the commentator claims Midnight lit his own arm on fire to clothesline one of the Kingpins. I don't think the camera caught this. Uh, I didn't, I didn't see, see that. No, I didn't see any arms on fire. I did see Midnight, like, sort of shaking yeah, his so, arm off yeah. like it had just been on fire. That's definitely a spot you want to catch on camera. Also, I love the idea of that spot. I mean, just the planning that must go into that. And that's also when the commentator mentions that the arena is, like, scorching hot. So he's like, we don't want people starting <laughs> yeah. fires in here. Um, and then the match, by the way, this has been just an awful match. It's plodding along. I was trying to write details about it, but just nothing, nothing happening. Out of nowhere, Mr. Motion just super kicks his own partner, Heartbreaker. Literally out of nowhere, yeah. they are the champions and nothing was leading to this this entire match. Genuinely the first surprising betrayal. Like, <laughs> like very, I was like, why? Nonsensical. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, they're, yeah, they're the champs. Like, why are they betraying it? It's very strange. There's no build-up. There's no nothing to it. There's... I understand once you lose the match and out of frustration. Yeah. It's like you're winning the match. And then he so he drags Schaefer on top of his own partner. And and new tag team champions, the Kingpins, at 12 minutes and 45 seconds. This match went forever. This was really bad. Yeah. Although I can kind of understand wanting to do anything to give Kingpins a title. I would do the same. <laughs> yeah. He maybe he just went into business. He just for loves himself. the Kingpin. Yeah. He's like, hey, I can't see this kayfabe bullshit stand any longer. The beatdown continues on Heartbreaker after the turn. Uh, so it's like Mr. Motion and the Kingpins is beating on Heartbreaker. And then once they're done, the Kingpins are like, fuck this other guy. And they turn on Mr. Motion and beat him down. Yeah. So once again, no payoff for this betrayal for the guy doing the betraying. Yeah. I mean, the end of the match, it looks very weird. Like, I thought it <laughs> I put New Jersey screwjob because there seems to be some confusion about what's happened. <laughs> like, I don't even... Th- 
like for the, especially for Dharma, like he seems genuinely surprised that they've both betrayed each other. Mm-hmm. Like it seemed like this wasn't planned or no one was told about it or whatever. Like it, it, there's just a lot of confusion, especially there's a bit where they're outside the ring and they like seem to actually want to properly fight each other. Like it doesn't seem like it's part of the match. I wouldn't shock it's, me at all knowing Zandig. It's very strange, yeah. Just telling the kingpins, like, hey, you're going to win, and fuck however they react. Yeah. Legit, I mean, I think we make our own sort of stories or as thinking of what could happen here sometimes, but I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah. It's sort of like how we sort of surmised that they got sent to train for, like, a few months after yeah, and then, almost killing Billy Baja. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, like you said, so as this beatdown's going on, the whole time Dahmer's cutting a promo outside of the ring about the kingpins. And again, it's just because he loves to hear himself talk, though, too. It's like, I wish Zandig would just tell him, like, you don't get the mic anymore. Yeah. Really bad. And then in the middle of all this chaos, random cut to the next match. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, but new tag champs. So there we go. Very happy here. Big momentous occasion on this podcast, I think. Yeah, a big Kingpins podcast heads. Um, So our announcer, Dave, introduces Johnny Cashmere and his partner from the underworld, White Lotus. Who I'm now, I'm certain is Quicksilver. Yeah. And has just gone full gimmick change to this White Lotus character. Such a weird gimmick change. I don't know. I don't like the name White Lotus. I think it's lame and weird. Yeah, it doesn't sounds like a restaurant more than anything. It's like, I'm a flower now. <laughs> um, and it's just this weird slow piano and synth theme music. And again, it's strange because now if I just knew that Cashmere and Trent Acid would go on to eventually team up, I wouldn't think that like... This was bad booking or whatever. But last month we saw them like come out together. Yeah. And Trent Acid like sang happy birthday for Cashmere and then they teased turning on each other and hugged at the end of the match. Yeah. So I'm going into this whole match thinking, just waiting for Cashmere to turn on his partner or outcome Trent Acid and sensational one. I was glad to see him back. Great tag team. I love yeah. the two of them. The look of them together, they just feel like they work together. But I'm waiting for one of them to turn on the other, just knowing that Acid and Cashmere are best buddies here. 100%. Like, in any tag team match now, I'm just expecting someone to turn on. Like, there's no <laughs> other way. There's, I will be so shocked. I will pop hard when there's just a tag team match where no one betrays someone. No kidding. Absolutely. And then it doesn't matter even, because sometimes they'll betray and then go back. <laughs> yeah. Um, at the start of this match, before it begins, Billy the Highlight Reel joins the commentary <laughs> randomly. <laughs> And once again, like, he seems like maybe he's having a bit of fun, if you know what yeah. I mean. Maybe a couple of cold pops. But he seems like sort of a competent commentator, too. Who's, yeah. like, into the product and not embarrassing himself. Definitely, yeah, good color commentary, mm-hmm. like, uh, on it. Like, yeah, he's he's very fun, and um, he likes to say Mamma Mia a lot. Yes. He keeps going Mamma Mia. Uh, but we start the match, Trent Acid and the Sensational One versus White Lotus and Johnny Cashmere. Uh, Cashmere and Acid begin, and it's like clearly these two have worked together before and done this like sequence just a bunch of times with the quick reversals. Yeah. You're sort of like, oh yeah, okay, they're, they're buddies. Uh, they tease brawling to the back, but then come back to the ring. Acid and Lotus both dive on the outside, uh, sort of at the uh, other team's, other guy's partners. Lotus completely misses, but they get a big CZW chant anyways. Just because two guys diving at the same time. That yeah, and that is cool. Pretty there's a, cool. There's more CZW like natural CZW chance this episode, I think, than any others. Definitely. You can tell. I think they're building people. I I wouldn't be surprised if half this crowd has been to every show. So yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, because they might be friends and family of the wrestlers as well. 
but Sensational one gets a chair and places it in the corner. It has Lotus whipped into it. Again, it's just one of these ones where you can just use chairs and shit. No one's really caring at all. Well, it's, it's odd because like, at the start, the ref is like, well, no, you can't do There's like a rules issue. And mm-hmm. he's like, no, you have to start. And then, yeah, there's just chairs being thrown about and stuff. And Well, and it's funny because he, so the, cor- the chair is wedged into the corner. And last month, Acid did this spot where he goes for sort of the, like you're going into a chaos theory, but it's just a roll up where you're holding the guy's tights. And then the guy kicks out and it flings him forward into the chair. Yeah. So the exact same spot happens this month. And I realized like, oh, this is just one of Trent Acid's spots. Yeah. Except he's the one taking the chair in the head every time. (laughs) Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. That's chaos theory. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There you go. But yeah, so Acid hits the turnaround splash, which is literally like when you do a 180 in the air off the top rope, sort of, you know, it seemed... I, I don't like when splashes feel like I could do them into the pool. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I need a bit more from my splashes. Uh, Billy called it that, who then tells Aaron that him and Trent, I know everything about Trent. Uh, we've been on the road together, we eat together, and we've had sex with the same women. And Aaron's just like, all right. And we <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, yeah, I was like, okay. Just out of nowhere. And yeah. the way he said it, I'm sure it's true, but I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm like who are you, dude? Get out of here. Um, they do the same chair in the corner spot I just mentioned. Acid recovers, however, and then hits the moonsault over Mantua, named specifically for the city they're in, which is just a nice split-legged moonsault for the clean win at 11 minutes and 2 seconds. And then the turn doesn't happen as Acid and Sensational One just celebrate to the back. I was sort of surprised. Yeah, I was, like I said, a popped hard. Yeah, you liked the there clean. Was no, there was no betrayal. I was genuinely very surprised. Mm-hmm. And so then we hear from Dave Mysterio, as the commentators are talking about now. Because I didn't talk about it, but throughout the show, different wrestlers have joked how the ring announcer looks like Rey Mysterio Jr. And the reason they know that is because Rey had just taken his mask off in WCW. Right, okay. Looks like a child, much like this ring announcer. <laughs> they do look very similar, so it's pretty funny that everyone made the joke. Um, but then he says we have the special attraction barbed wire dog collar match. Which means it's a dog it's a dog collar match, but the chain is barbed wire actually. Yeah, I don't know. I sort of like that twist on it. I like the idea of it. I think once they started wrestling it, it became clear why this isn't really a done thing anymore. Because barbed wire gets tangled. It's yeah. Like I mean they they start like tearing up the Yeah, it's it's yeah. They they start adding it and stuff like that. And I was like I mean dog collar matches are kinda like notorious as one of the more dangerous ma- like obviously there's stuff going on with it like the chain and stuff so mm. yeah i thought f- we're finally starting to creep into that like czw just doesn't give a shit attitude and just very violent very dangerous stuff yeah and I, lobo is developing a a reputation at this point as a guy who will just take insane bumps like if i see him in a match i'm expecting to see some like him get brutalized anyway you know what i mean yeah um as far as like this roster goes he seems up for anything yeah for sure and so this is strange. Iron Man chant, a champ, Justice Payne, comes out. Because I forgot that he had won the title off Lobo previously. Uh, the last month, actually. And he comes out with Sledge. Except the commentators are saying, Oh, there's Justice Payne and Big Bad Smooth. <laughs> and I'm like, who's Big Bad Smooth? And then a couple times I could refer to him as Smooth. 
And so I think Sledge just decided to change his name that, from Sledge to Smooth. You, you know, we love a king who wants to reinvent himself. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I hate even bringing it up because it does, like, I understand to listen to this when you haven't, aren't seeing the guys. It might actually become confusing or whatever. Yeah. But I feel like if I don't mention that they changed his name to Big Bad Smooth, a month from now we'll be talking about Big Bad Smooth and someone will be like, who the fuck are they? Big like? ba- yeah, not the description of a Guinness. Um, <laughs> but, like... Yeah, and believe me, listeners, if you're confused, trust me, we're, we are confused as well. Yeah, <laughs> and especially it bugs me double when the whole time it's obvious this guy's going to be gone any month now and we'll never see him again. Yeah. So I'm just like, okay, i got to remember his name until he disappears forever. And then introducing from his own private hell, the current CZW hardcore champion, Lobo. Like, where did this hardcore belt come from? <laughs> yeah. Had you heard anything about this? <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, yeah, no, there's, they're, they're just inventing stuff. Like I said, this feels like this is the episode that starts CZW proper. So, like, this, the, they're introducing belts. But obviously, like, there has been five episodes and probably a load of house shows where they've done a lot of world building that we've just not seen. Yeah, it's bizarre. And to throw it on a guy who, this is already for the Iron Man belt, so it's for a different belt already. It's just so unnecessary and, like, no explanation. I don't know. I, I, I hated that. It just doesn't make sense at all. Um, especially when it's a CZW hardcore belt. Like, I can understand when guys have indie titles from other indies or whatever, and you yeah. come out with your belts. But I'm like, we're follow, we're trying to follow this show, all right? <laughs> There's so many belts. There's, like, too many belts. Like, yeah. I think you can just get critical mass with belts where you just, like, every match is now, like, this is for the ice cream belt champion. <laughs> this is for the fridge man champion. This yeah. is the body bag belt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the Iron Man. We already don't know what that means, and now there's a hardcore belt. Yeah. Uh, so Lobo begins by calling Sledge to join, and he's like, why don't we make this a three-way dog collar match, you, me, and me? And uh, and I'm sure this wasn't planned because they didn't have the apparatus to make this a three-way dog collar match, and everyone looked confused. Yeah. And it was like, oh, why are you going? It doesn't make sense. Why would you do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why would you do that? Uh, so the match begins. Lobo starts super aggressively, and then they go outside, and Payne gets advantage with, you guessed it, a chair shot to the head <laughs> to Lobo. Uh, we get a, a crazy wild brawl in the crowd where there's more broken plywood in, in the outside of the arena. I seriously don't know who's, like, resetting this plywood every single month in the arena. I think they especially don't care this episode because it's like they announced that it's the last one yes. at the CZW arena. So, like, they've... They've torn up the before the start of the match. They like tear up the ring entirely. They like rip it apart. I guess to make it look more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like no, they, that was the next match. Sorry. Yeah. You're oh, oh, is ahead. it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, no, they they really go to town on just yeah. breaking everything here. Uh, so back in the ring, Justice Payne makes a rakes barbed wire on Lobo's back, but then Lobo just fights back. He hits a pretty nice pile driver actually. Uh, he j- Lobo's making his comeback when Justice Payne sneaks a, a barbed wire bat in between Lobo's legs and crotches him with it. Uh, and again, when you know that it's probably all real, it does seem way worse. <laughs> yeah, brutal. But that, this is when it gets to the point where the the rope, the barbed wire attached between them is getting tangled and it's too short. So they're now having to like try untangle this barbed wire yeah. while maintaining a match. It gets pretty sloppy. Yeah, and it, it's just brutal. Like, it's not fun to watch people untangling barbed wire and, like, mm-hmm. piercing themselves with it. Um, I mean, I do want to point out, at one point, the commentator goes, you can visit our website, um, and then goes, it's probably the most dangerous website on the internet. And I was like, 
Even back in the 90s, that's not true. <laughs> like, there's no chance that's true. Did you catch the name of it? I th- the website, I think it's just like CZW, like like. Maybe the, same, maybe the same one now. Probably. I mean, the way the website's designed, it probably hasn't changed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I Since mean, the 90s. Even in 2023, I'm shocked that this whole streaming service works as well as it does. Like, yeah. no, no lag in these videos ever. It's all working. So, I, yeah. bravo CZW on that. Uh, meanwhile, in the match, Lobo gets as much distance as he can from Justice Payne outside and then still does the, like, Undertaker plancha over the top rope, what, like, in a super short distance, which is actually, like, pretty impressive at that point. Uh, right after, he sets a table up outside and then puts Justice Payne through it with a top rope leg drub to the outside. Uh, so, at this point, again, Lobo's just throwing his body at it. Like Yeah, he's really... De- and they can't be getting proper medical care after. No. So, like, I'm always like, this dude's really going to be in agony. Because he... They're, they're I just hope they're paying for his booze. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the health insurance that Zandig <laughs> yeah. Cook gives you. It's like, here, I have this free bottle of whiskey. Yeah, okay, thanks, boss. See you next <laughs> <Yeah>. month. <laughs> uh, but then uh, this is when Aaron Angel actually explains that the Ironman Championship means you can use weapons, but you got to go the distance. So, not an explanation. That's not an explanation at all, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't make sense. Um, I, I guess it means, like, they can't be You've got to have sex matches. with the weapons. <laughs> like, you've got to go the distance. Like, what? You've got to reach third base, at least, with the barbed wire. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he meant, like, it has to be a particularly long match. But how, <laughs> how could you decide that? Like, I don't yeah. know. Uh, eventually, the dog collar sort of becomes unattached, at, like, from Justice Pain, and is just sort of wrapped around Lobo. Uh, and Lobo, so he's like wrapped in barbar and he's setting up a table in the ring and Big Smooth comes in to attack Lobo. But then Lobo just kicks him in the gut and power bombs him through the table. And I was sort of surprised because this guy's like twice Lobo's size. Yeah. And the power bomb looked decent. No botches. But then immediately after this spot, this was like shocking to me how quick it happens. Justice Payne rushes into the ring with a full toolbox, like a red <laughs> toolbox smokes Lobo on the head as it opens and dumps like a tha- like thousands of thumbtacks. Yeah. Like, like not like a small bag or anything, like a pool of thumbtacks. It looked pretty cool. It looked like, cool, yeah. but the, the toolbox is on Lobo's head, like wrapped around his head, and then just, Justice Payne just DDTs him with the toolbox on into a big pile of tags and then pins him immediately. It was just sort of crazy, like, flash finish of violence. <laughs> yeah, I think, because when you're watching wrestling, you can sometimes see, like, the wrestlers, like, whispering to each and, like, setting up things. But there's never any of that in CZW. They're no. just like, Lobo's like, what is happening now? I've got <laughs> yeah. a toolbox on my head and, you know, I look like a bloody Looney Tunes character. And then he's like, oh, I'm in thumbtacks. Like, <laughs> there's no chance he knew what was coming. No, not at all. And Justice Payne really smokes him with it. Like, you've seen these toolboxes. They're big, heavy things. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's made of metal. Uh, but he gets the win at 11 minutes and 3 seconds. Uh, and he, they just leave Lobo lying dead in this pile he of He could plunder. be dead. <laughs> and he's, like, laid out in tacks and with a toolbox on his head. Uh, and then he slowly gets up to, like, you know, that big baby face reaction when the heel's already left. Yeah. To a big Lobo chant. And I'm like, he is sort of the top baby face. He's now. over, yeah. Him or Zandig? I remember the days of him just wearing his Venom shirt, and now he's a big boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, much like Venom. (laughs) Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Um, Then this is when the commentator says, uh, this will be the last night in this arena. Uh, And as we see some sweeper guy with a big broom whose job it is to, like, sweep up just the tacks and (laughs) the barbed wire and shit like that. So I was surprised. I mean, we were calling for this a few weeks ago when we thought we were going to see our first outside show. But uh, honestly, a new arena uh, is very exciting to me. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, it served a purpose for sure, but I guess at this point, like thinking context at the time, obviously some money's coming somewhere, so it's probably is starting to grow now. Well, as and a they thing. said they were recording it for television, so that makes me think some local. But it could be public access, though. To be fair, public like access, they, yeah. yeah, they could have just been like the equivalent of. If any of you are too young to remember public access, <laughs> uh, to be fair, we didn't have it in England, but it basically the equivalent of Twitch, right? Like anyone could broadcast, so they might have found a public access channel to put it on right. at some point. I don't know if it was like actually being so, done. So something just clicked in my head. So Zandig signs a public access deal. He treats it like they've just been signed to network television. Goes to the bank, takes out a huge <laughs> yeah. loan based on the promise of fame and fortune from their new television deal. Yeah. And puts all the money into, like, weapons and cameras. and <laughs> Yeah, and then it's like, plates. oh, mics, yeah, as well. Yeah, and then... Discover- Next time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, probably actually is what happened. Yeah, and also some alcohol. I actually, I got sort of uh, worried because, I mean, we've recorded a few episodes already calling this place a Mantua, the CZW Arena. And so when I Googled, where's the CZW Arena, they say Philadelphia. And I was like, oh, fuck, did I just assume this was the CZW Arena, this whole podcast? No, they've been calling it the CZW yeah, Arena yeah, every week. Yeah, yeah, they have, definitely, 100%. So I guess wherever they're running a show out of for that night is the CZW Arena. That's what they say, isn't it? Home is where the staple gun is. <laughs> I like that. If they ever ran a Madison Square Garden for that night... <laughs> the CZW Arena, can you imagine? <laughs> so this will be maybe the weirdest segment of CZW we're, we've covered so far as we get into the final uh, segment of this show. Uh, of course, with me saying that, out comes, as the announcer calls him, a five-time underground street fighting champion, Zandig. Yeah, <laughs> Does that shoot at all? Do you think no, I, I think that's similar to Pele, rest in peace, who like says he's, he said he scored like 2,000 goals, but like some of them are just probably from when he was in the, having the kickabout with his son, and he just <laughs> counted yeah. it. And that's, I just feel like Zandig's like, beaten someone up at one point and then gone, man, it makes me a champion. <laughs> I, I feel like maybe, like, you know where Kimbo Slice came from and like legit back backyard like brawling fights, yeah. like bare knuckle brawls? I could see if Zandig having done something like that, where like it's actual yeah. ring ropes like wrapped around four barrels, and they just bare knuckle fight. Yeah, guys. and it's just one. Yeah, definitely. or like or like Homer Simpson level like bar brawls or whatever. <laughs> I, I don't know. I could maybe see him. He's definitely probably had five street fights in his life. He's de- he's definitely fought people before. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. He's felt wronged while yeah. drunk. Yeah, and, and I don't think it. he's ever felt right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he comes out. Uh, and he's looking just as big as ever. You can tell he thinks CCW is going places, so he's probably doubling the juice. Hitting, oh yeah, hitting yeah. The gym hard. Yeah, dude. Yeah, absolutely. He's a cool guy, <laughs> as we say on this podcast. He Zandig is a cool dude. And he comes out with his bald biker guy, who doesn't seem like as cool. Like I don't, I don't really like this guy's. Like I don't know. He feels like I hang out with Zandig, like his personal trainer or something. But he doesn't yeah. have a lot of personality, and they haven't named him yet or anything. So he feels like a hanger-on, sort of, I guess. Uh, that's when Zandig starts com- cutting this promo about how they had a recent CCW staff member who passed away, and we got their family up front right now, and this weekend we're doing a benefit barbecue show just for them. And 
even in knowing that I'm sure that benefit would probably get them like $250 all in, it felt like a very nice sentiment. It felt like as classy as you could imagine so, Zandig being. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, it's nice sentiment and things like that, but it is very funny that they're like, in order to honor, you know, we want you to sit at the front of this incredibly violent wrestling <laughs> show <laughs> where there's where you potentially could get very hurt. Um, yeah. It's just a very funny image. That that's The tribute we're paying you is like seeing some dude getting his face yeah. pushed into thumbtacks. And yeah, like, most most people have to pay eight fifty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. but we're giving you for half price. Yeah, like, <laughs> like at the front row as well. It's like, is there any designated seats? Could we be sat here anyway? Most of these shows, the Vancouver ECCW one was always general admission, like seven dollars, and front row like ten dollars. Yeah, but it is not. No, it is nice. Like that is a very for heartfelt sure. moment. And yeah. you can tell Zandig like. He seems like the type of big guy who would cry when he's, like, talking about emotional things, you know, or get teary-eyed. Yeah. And you're like, even though this dude's a moron and a brute, you'd, like, get emotional hearing him get emotional. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, I don't know. There is a bit of heart of gold. There's nothing cooler than a cool guy crying. Yes, yeah, a big guy who can cry. Yeah. Uh, then Zandig says he originally wanted this to be a match where you have to pin your opponent on the highway. <laughs> uh, <to finish> <laughs> that's, that's, yeah i'd love to see that and he says the but the the local authorities vetoed this idea what a surprise <laughs> so instead he demands that the ropes the turnbuckles the canvas everything gets stripped off this ring for a hardcore main event and i'm sure in a normal wrestling show he would say that you cut to black come back and you see the stripped bare ring we have to sit through as just like six dudes a jump to action here. Clearly, I don't think Zandig had this pre-planned. No. Uh, so everyone's like, oh, fuck, we have to like undo the ring quick. And cutting, like, they've just wrapped duct tape around ring cables. So they just have to cut that duct tape off. It takes forever. It yeah, takes like a legitimate like 10 minutes. It's the worst Benny Benassi music video I've ever seen. <laughs> just like worker men, just like cutting at it and and just like digging the floor uh, yeah and it's like not even edited in like a cool way or whatever it's just like yeah we're just watching these dudes these yeah. dudes work and zandig sort of like but trying to buy time starts to sing along with the crowd <laughs> just of songs that he can think of off the top of his head <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like it's just he realizes it's just taking way yeah. too long and then so they get the canvas off anyone who's not seen a, a stripped like uh, ring it actually sort of does look intimidating it looks gnarly yeah because like the ropes as they will say in any wrestling show they go those those are not ropes really that's metal and yeah. like i it does just look brutal well and the only thing separating the ring canvas or whatever is just like foam and the ring canvas but then yeah. it's just wood so it does look brutal like it's not it it's already not the safest canvas to wrestle on mm -hmm. so when even with that slight bit of padding taken off <laughs> and then this is when the random biker guy just starts squirting a big circle of lighter fluid around this bare wood on the canvas and starts lighting it on fire uh, and almost immediately as he lights it, it just goes out because there's not enough lighter <laughs> fluid to like maintain a full. But you could tell, you could see what he's thinking as he's doing it is a big circle of yeah, fire. Yeah, probably felt like the Punisher. He was <laughs> real, like, I'm gonna look so cool. Yeah, imagine seeing an Inferno match and being like, we should do that with just lighter fluid <laughs> yeah, and a yeah. lighter. And so then they settle for just both of them sort of like bundle up in the corner of the ring 
and the biker guy makes like a big line of lighter fluid and lights it as Zandig poses like badassly behind this like line of fire. Yeah, it does look cool. He looks cool. You got to see it to believe it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, like. and uh, the family are there just like, this is exactly what he would have wanted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is exactly what he would have wanted. Yeah, it's almost like, oh man, I would love to see like the succession version of Zandig because he had very, <laughs> if for any fans, he's like Kendall Roy singing a rap song here thinking he looks like the man. C to the Z, W. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like this is awful. This is yeah. and so reckless and dangerous. Like uh, and that as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, so all of a sudden, Nick Gage's music hits because uh, that is our main event: the street fight between Zandig and Nick Gage, which actually to me is like a very exciting idea for a, you know, that's like a classic. That's their two big supers. Like that's the equivalent of their superstars at that point, right? Like, well, and actually, like if you look at say the history of deathmatch wrestling, these two are both. I'd probably top 10 guys ever. If oh, you, yeah, yeah. If you want to count Zandig, he's sort of like the old stalwart. Well, he's a five-time underground <laughs> <laughs> fighting man. <laughs> um, so as Gage tries to get in, they're blocking him with, like, the lighter fluid and fire so he, like, can't get into the ring. Uh, it's just ridiculous. Uh, it is for the CCW World Heavyweight title. I honestly I can't even remember who's the champ here because they've just flip-flopped this thing a few times already. Yeah. Um, and the ring looks fucked. Like, parts of it are still on fire, just in tiny amounts. Uh, it just looks dangerous. It looks it looks sort of cool, I guess. It. Uh, I, mean, no, I know we use cool sort of for a Zandig thing, but it does look like, if you were to just watch this as a visual, uh, having not seen any show before, you might be like, oh, fuck, like, what's this all about? Yeah, and then you'd go, I hope no one's wrestling on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Gage goes for a suplex for Zandig, and Zandig just sandbags him, like, decides not to go up, and then tosses him onto the wood. But then Gage sort of comes back, he hits a body slam, and then, a, like, a beautiful frog splash from the top rope. Like, this is Gage. I mean, he still does it today, I believe, but, like, he's, he's a, always had a great frog splash. Yeah, he's, like, an, he's, and Gage, as we always say, is, like, the closest thing they've got to, like, an actual wrestler, I'd say. Like, mm-hmm. it's easy to forget, I think, with his history of, you know, being deathmatched like that. Like, he knows how to wrestle. Totally. And, and Zandig, it's, like, he's not technically pretty at all, but he's not lazy. Like, he's not phoning it in like the kingpins. He's not getting tired. He's, like, very... Everything he's doing, he's doing at, like, a 10 out of 10 effort. And he yeah. looks like he's injuring himself almost constantly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, he loves... He's clear he loves CZW and he wants it to work and he's willing to... Like, yes, along with that is, like, also him being the center of everything and, like, having to control everything. But also he genuinely loves it, right? And he's, like... He knows if he doesn't put his body down, then who? why else would anyone... So, yeah, he's committed to it. It's tough to knock passion, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so it just to short, sort of highlight what we just said, so he throws Gage to the outside, who just lays down on the ground, and then just casually goes to the apron and drops an elbow from the apron to the concrete, like, from the second sort of ri- uh, rope, sorry, Cactus Jack style. Just looks fucking brutal for a guy his size to be I doing. don't know what would be harder, concrete or Zandig's calloused <laughs> shot, like, elbow. Like, yeah. just absolutely nails. Uh, the ref starts doing this super cautious slow count from the ring. And so the crowd starts chanting, you fat fuck. <laughs> oh, he's a classic. Oh, it's great. It's great. The ref doesn't have doesn't deserve rights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Zandig then just smokes Gage with a chair. And it's funny because at first he, like, they do the sort of classic, like, you see chair shots now where a guy gets hit in the gut and then bends over to take it on the back as to avoid the headshot. 
So he hits him on the back first, and then Gage pops his head up, and then he just smokes him on the forehead, like, as hard as he can. There's been a lot of chair shots this this episode, for sure. Yeah, oh, it's brutal. Yeah. Um, Gage gets thrown into the plywood, it breaks, uh, and then the plywood sort of falls on top of Gage, almost like a collapse, like a cave-in. Yeah. And so Zandig just ju- double stomps the plywood on top of Gage, like, clearly not looking where he was underneath it. Yeah. Just yeah. stomps on him. <laughs> Um, they wrestle back to the familiar lower corner platform, as we always see, uh, and then Gage is laid out as the biker begins spraying lighter fluid around Gage, sort of trying to surround him with the fire circle. Yeah, I, I wasn't enjoying this. Like, I enjoyed some of it, mm-hmm. but like a lot of it, I was just like, like that. Nick Gage is going to be on fire. <laughs> I, I totally thought yeah. so. I'm like, like there's no way he's going to spray his leg yeah. or something. Yeah, 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 definitely. Really stupid and dangerous looking. And of course, the fire, the fire he does like goes out right away because that's just not how lighter fluid works. Yeah. It just doesn't work. Um, oh, by the way, Gage busted open at this point. Um, so the streak the, begins again. Yeah. Uh, we will follow that. Um, <laughs> Zandig, meanwhile, he goes to the top. And I wish, I hope we're describing this corner staging right. So it is an elevated platform where they can the fans can see them. But then there's a ladder like up another like eight feet um, where Zandig jumps off. And he does a full elbow drop onto Gage, and it breaks the, like, platform area completely that Gage is on. They are just destroying it. Like, you can tell this did not mean this to happen. Like, yeah. Uh, there's this random, like, you know when a really old fucking, it, like, if something falls over in your attic and, like, dust appears? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that weird dust that comes out from the hole that they're both in, and you're like, holy fuck, they might be dead. Like, this, yeah. this look crazy. Because in that sort of spot, in any other, or, like, you know, a more professional one, there'd be boxes under there, but there's no, there could just be like tools and shit in there. Like, who knows? Absolutely. And, and it turns out it was just nothing. It's just a hollow fall to the ground. Yeah. Or whatever. Which isn't uh, great either. <laughs> but I mean, how did Gage take this? Like, like it, I don't know. It's, it was crazy. It looked like very dangerous. Uh, all of a sudden, the kingpins appear uh, for a third time tonight. Um, and they start attacking Zandig and the biker. Uh, they bring Zandig to the ring and start a beatdown. Meanwhile, uh, outside of the ring, Gage lights up a gasoline rag barbed wire bat. Um, and then he goes to hit Zandig with it. And instead of hitting him with the bat, he, like, drinks some lighter fluid and blows a fireball in Zandig's face. Which, again, is, I assume, something you'd need training for. Cirque du Soleil, yeah. Nick Gage can do it all. <laughs> <laughs> There's, like, the, the amount of TikToks you've seen of just college guys lighting their heads on fire doing this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he does, I mean, and, and not knocking him, he nails it. Like, he shoots a fireball. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, that is would have been Nick Gage's party trick. Throughout. Yeah. Like, was just like, I know how to do a fireball. Yeah, when he's not opening beers with his teeth, he's, he's blowing just, fire. Yeah, fire on people. <laughs> yeah. So the two sides separate, and then the heels just sort of leave. Uh, by the heels, I mean Nick Gage and the Kingpins, which again, I wish I'd written their names because I don't even fucking know that for sure, reading heels <laughs> and faces here. And then, yeah, the faces being Zandig and the big biker guy celebrate in the ring. And the match just simply ends with no conclusion. Yeah, it's very bizarre. And then, then stuff starts getting thrown. Yes. Uh, the, the show ends with Lobo coming out. Or sorry, he was, he was out there beforehand uh, helping Zandig fight off the Kingpins and Gage. So that's yeah. why those were the baby faces sort of celebrating in the ring. I don't know who's the world champ right now. They didn't make they that They didn't clear. make any announcement uh or anything like that no one even left with the belt i think it was just left on the ringside table this entire time i can't remember there being a bell ringing or any or like was there a pin was there any i didn't even get no no there was no pin there was there must have been something got cut 
I I think I didn't I didn't write the how long this match went because it didn't really have a clear starting time or finish time. Yeah, it was very odd. Even this though match. It, this match featured the most brutal bumps in this whole card, but you could barely call it a match. This was really just like lazy, fuck, awful booking garbage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know what else to call it, man. Yeah, it was very. It was. It was. I guess it was meant to be like a finale to the being in the arena. So they're like, we need to do the most high intense stuff, mm-hmm. but like without structure. And without like still being a real match, like you can't just have all this shit go on with that. Like, what's happened? Like, who? What has actually happened? Yeah, no, no kidding. Um, so then we get the cut, or sorry, no, Lobo comes out and he calls for the fans to throw the chairs in. Um, but no, so as the fans start throwing in chairs, the offspring begins playing. Yeah, because I thought I was like, is this still part of the match? Is like Gage gonna? Is is he under those chairs? Like, what is going on? Yeah, so it sort of made it clear that the heels had escaped. So, like, usually you do this to make a match intense or something. Like, everyone loves the visual from ECW where they did this organically for the first time. And I don't think I've ever seen it done sort of the same effect because it's all just people trying to redo the same thing. Yeah. But it should be done in service of something. This just literally felt like, fuck this arena. Like, you might as well light the building on fire afterwards. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck it, you know? They probably were. It was just, thank God, they only had lighter fluid. And, and they like, wasted w- it all. A safety match, yeah. They wasted all the lighter flower, it was fluid on the big circle. Uh, and then we get a cut, and the, the camera comes back to the aftermath with all the crowd gone, and it's just this big pile of chairs in the ring, and the commentator's sort of there t- telling us, saying, their first TV taping was a big success. <laughs> we were like, I guess that'll we'll wait to be seen. Agreed. Um, and then finally, in the last minute, I'm so glad I didn't end this video early. I don't even know if you would have seen this. We get the whole CZW roster yeah, in yeah, the yeah. ring. Yeah, and yeah. Zandig, center, front and center, saying, this is the era of the ultra-violent. Uh, we, these are the people that are going to see us into the, the revolution of hardcore wrestling. You ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah, he's like, the new millennium hasn't... Like, we're taking ultra-violence into the new millennium. Something ultra-violence hasn't seen. And it's like, bro, no one's seen the new millennium. <laughs> like, no one alive has seen a new millennium. But it's like... <laughs> like, as Andy... He must be excited. Like, to be fair, something must have happened where he got a massive investment or just some found money somewhere. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, the bump is crazy. So, yeah, they probably are quite excited. And I'm quite excited to see the see where it goes next. Like, uh, I am too. And I, for my recollection, it's the first time I've heard that term ultra-violent, uh, which sort of becomes their new their like catchphrase for years to come. Like, they're the ultra-violent underground. They're the, you know. Yeah. It's sort of a big part of their branding. So I think uh, along this last successful week Zandig's had, someone told him the word ultra-violent, and he just he loves it. He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's it. That's the end of the show. Uh, that's that's our last shot we see at the end of this new era CZW. So, overall, what is your what is your overall assessment? Um, I, I enjoyed it, and I, th- I think I've got to give the, you know, it's a tribute episode, obviously, to that staff member. So, you know, give it the 1.75. Oh, nice. Yeah, I wanted to go to. Uh, I did, which I believe is what I gave it last week, uh, which was sort of the new the new height for our, our 2 out of 7 rating. Uh, but honestly, the, the booking was just so bad. Uh, the wrestling was really bad. I, I Outside of Justice Pan and Rick Blade, which was okay, I can't think of a good match. They were all very messy. Really every, sloppy. Every, like... The 1.75 is not particularly for the wrestling. It's more because, like, I was like, whoa. Yeah, the quality they have of an intro. Yeah, yeah, like, definitely, you know. So, like, wrestling-wise, it's not 
I wouldn't say the worst because I, I, there's been worse episodes. Like I actually I had a good time watching this one, but yeah, it just uh, it was very messy, very unstructured. I think it would have been maybe the worst if, if not for the quality of life improvements. I probably would have rated this a one out of seven, which I believe I gave the very first episode. Yeah, I was just really unimpressed with it. Um, outside of the commentator, that was like surprisingly inoffensive. Uh, the quality was just in the toilet, and it just felt lazy. It's like, come on, man, you got. You're, you're editing nameplates and you can't spell the names right. Like, that's a post-edit thing. It's yeah. no excuse. Yeah, no, definitely. I um, agree. So, I don't know. But we'll see where they go next week. Very excited to see what the arena looks like. Uh, in the meantime, I've been Jordan Ducharme. And I've been Ben Stad. And we'll catch you next week for the comics in the Combat Zone. Thanks for listening.